good morning, good afternoon, and everything else in between. What's up guys, it's Denny, welcome to Later, let's get into the specials. This past week, social media was set ablaze by a massive debate over which fast food joint had the better chicken sandwich. Experts are lauding it as a classic marketing campaign, while this critic wonders how all these quote-unquote broke tweeters have the health insurance to be eating fried chicken on a Wednesday. Guys, cholesterol's real. And you know Popeyes ain't the good cholesterol. College football's back this weekend, or as a co-worker said to me, finally an excuse to ignore my family. This past week, English football sides Bury FC and Bolton Wanderers both faced expulsion from the English Football League due to the club's dire financial situation. And you know it's tough times in England when a Charlie Brown comic is the most optimistic part of your newspaper. You know, I'd like to issue a retraction on that joke. Harry Styles was profiled on the cover of Rolling Stone and they wrote a nice article about him. So I guess everything's all good in England, right? And finally, Andrew Luck retired from the NFL this past week answering the age-old question, what does it take to walk away from a lucrative, abusive relationship? And the answer is apparently $25 million and a Stanford degree. You know, I just hope for the best for the kid as his, that this life starter set will be able to pay off the student loans. My name's Denny Gallagher, and you are listening to Later. Live from New York. You are listening to the sometimes glamorous, always cantankerous, borderline magnanimous audio art of the new James Brown. Move over, Charlie Brown. There's a new kid in town. Whether it's 5 o'clock while you are or not, you better take your shot because a later Friday big show is coming in hot. Welcome on into the show. Cheers. Thanks for making it today. Plenty of great stuff coming your way today. As you can tell, it's Memorial Day. Clinking my waters up against the mic. Just kidding. A little truly hard sell, so you know how we do. Figured since the debacle with the uh, with the summer shandy did not work out how I wanted it to. You know, you got to change it up. It's like when the defense is pressing you and wide receivers can't get open or I don't know. Or they double cover you in a summer practice, summer open gym, summer pickup like you're Devin Booker. Gotta change it up. Or just complain about it and then invoke the entire NBA Twitter and a whole thing about how we don't double team in the summertime. Somewhere in the middle of that analogy, I, I lost uh, my train of thought of what it had to do with me spelling my summer shandy. But the pineapple truly is the weapon of choice today. Wrapping up the summer of seltzer. We got a great show for you today. Zach Harper of The Athletic. Count the Dings. And my co-worker at SiriusXM NBA Radio. Joins us today, and man, we go through it all. We 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 hit the gauntlet. I've loved hearing about his career. I know a lot of journalists have a have a typical traditional upbringing. Zach Harper, not the case. So it was cool to talk about that with him. And of course, you know, we mess around. You know, comedy, the whole fixings. He's a, he's a jack of all trades. 
excuse me, a Zach of all trades. And he's with us today. Guys, you know I'm always brutally honest with you, right? A lot of times to a fault. So I want to share this quick story. Guys, I've recently had to go on a new diet. And who would have thought that eating exclusively pizza and drinking beer would make you overweight? But yet here we are. So I go into the doctor and he's asking me all these embarrassing questions. Like any shortness of breath? No. Are you taking any drugs? Not that I need to tell you about. And are you sexually active? And I'm like, I mean, man, you just felt up around my testicles. You know the answer is no. And then finally he asked me, how many times a day do you eat? And I'm like, uh, three? He asks what I eat. I tell him, well, there's pizza. Then there's beers. Then there's cold pizza. Then there's flat beer. You know, those are the two main food groups. And then in the most shocking detail of the story, this guy tells me that I need to change my diet. I'm like, listen, buddy, it's not that easy. He, he prescribes more exercise. I'm like, awesome, that's cool. Then he prescribes what he likes to call the Michael Phelps diet, which is eating six meals a day. And for those of you planning along at home, yes, it's twice as many meals as I was eating before. Only in America could a doctor walk in, see your results, and be like, oh, you're overweight? Cool. You know what you were doing before that got you on the examining table? Double it. Now, yes, I'm aware he meant six smaller meals and more greens, less fats. But that kind of knowledge in the wrong hands is a hell of a combo meal. Got one more quick story for you before we get to Zach. Guys, got a confession here. I was set up recently. I'm glad you all can finally put a face with the college admission scandal. I love how one of you was sitting in your car and I'd be like, you know what, that makes sense. Four letter word name, Irish last name. Easy to put two and two together. No, but I've set up with a woman. I'm shocked she agreed to go on this day with me because, well, my Instagram's trash. I admit it. For those of you who have been out of the game for a minute, ho-ho, the dating world has changed. Let me tell you about it. It's like being a nice, generous guy. It's moderately looking. It's like being Indiana Pacers and Parks and Rec star Roy Hibbert. And you're a young center poised to dominate the league for the next 10 years. Then all of a sudden, Steph Curry comes out. And all anybody wants is a high-volume shooter who can hit threes. Like, just being a good person is like being Shaq in modern NBA. They'll tell you they want an interior presence, but there ain't anything sexy about protecting that rim. So not only does your profile on the app need to be ironclad, but your Instagram needs to be a character reference. And by character, I'm saying it needs to pass the brunch test. What's the brunch test? It's like Sex in the City meets American Idol, except they're all on their phones critiquing your page, drunk off their ass on champagne-infused orange juice. Like, imagine if politicians had to survive a brunch test before getting elected. I'm convinced more quote-unquote group decisions were made around avocado toast this past weekend than have been made in Washington, D.C. in the last decade. Oh, guys, and this is all before you get to the first date. And then when you get to the first date, it immediately becomes Survivor. Outlast, outwit, outplay, baby. And if all goes well, you don't get voted off at the next Sunday brunch. That's why I'm happy this time I was set up. Because when you're set up by friends and they're pushing for it, it's like she's Lori Laughlin and I'm USC. I would have been about it anyway, but the extra equity is a nice touch. You know him as Talk Hoops on Twitter, on Instagram. You know him also from SiriusXM, 
the Count the Dings Podcast Network, and his power rankings on The Athletic. Let's let our song of the day, which is Hot Shower, off the new Chance the Rapper record. You can get that now, stream that now. Here's my conversation with Zach Harper. Not sure if you knew this or not, as I was doing my research for this, according to, I think this is fantasybirthday. Uh, yeah, no, famousbirthday.com. Fantasy would be a, a little different. Uh, yeah. Famousbirthday.com, you are the number one podcaster that's 37 years old. I'll take it. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'll take it. Throw that right on the Wikipedia did, bio. Didn't even know that was, I don't even have a Wikipedia, so yeah. that's the first thing that's going on there. You are a hard person to research for that particular reason. Yeah. Oh, sure. Uh, the the only bio, the only bio of you is a AMA I think you did in like 2017, 2016. Okay. The, the athletic PR people got to get on that shit. Oh, man, I'll be secret as much as possible. <laughs> I don't want people knowing my shit. Oh, my goodness. Um. Well, I guess since we're getting in this, I do want to get into your career because I think it's fascinating. I really do. Like, as long as I've, okay. like, e- even before uh, we started working together, I was like, oh. like, all right, so h- how did this guy come up? And I'm, I'm, I'm always fascinated by that. Part of the big reason I do this podcast is to talk to creative people and to kind yeah. of see their journey. Because to be honest, like, like, and like, I know that you know oh. this, there's a lot of days of doubts when you work in this business (laughs) yeah there's a lot there's a lot yeah especially when you're so close to where you think you want to be but you're not even remotely in the ballpark it's kind of funny yeah that's that's the funny thing is like i feel like anytime i've anytime i've felt like oh my god i just took a huge step in my career if i look back a couple years i'm like oh yeah that really didn't mean anything (laughs) like it's, it's just weird it's like the things you think matter don't matter the things that you don't realize matter like actually mean a big deal yeah so yeah even even now like i still struggle to figure out if anything i'm doing actually (laughs) means something or if it's something i've completely overlooked yeah so let's kind of take this back to you starting out uh you're at san diego state you drop out what was the moment when you're like nah this isn't for me because i can't tell you how many times in college like like you lived out almost every creative college person's fantasy of like be- sitting in that lecture hall and being like nah bro this ain't for me yeah like i just didn't i just didn't go to class like i was i just wanted to like i don't know have fun play basketball like that's pretty much all i did like i was either hanging out with people or i was at the gym playing ball and so like yeah it got to a point where like i just I also realized, like, I was in, I went to a really good college prep high school, like this all boys Catholic college prep high school that's phenomenal. Like, it's incredible, incredible education. And the stuff I learned as a freshman in high school, they were teaching like freshman sophomore year at San Diego State, and mm. I grew like San Diego State's on Harvard, right? But like, <laughs> it's still like a state school where I'm like, I learned this stuff so long ago. And so for me personally, like, if I'm not mentally stimulated, I just check out. Mm. Like, it's Something I wish I could change about myself, but it's just like yeah. the mo. I try to change it; it's just not there. Um, but yeah, so like I wasn't mentally stimulated, stimulated at San Diego State, and so I checked out. And and yeah, like I, I think I realized like, all right, well, I need to make money, and then so you start like working jobs here and there. You try to just like make a living or whatever. And then at a certain point, I realized like, okay, I can get into. I want to get into sports. I've always wanted to be. I've always wanted to like be someone who talks about sports and so how do i do that all right well everyone's got a website and this is like 2007 so this is a while I, like i'd been gone from san diego state for a while but it's 2007 i'm just like all right well i know i know more about basketball than anybody i know 
I'll just start a basketball website. Um, that's my passion. That's what I'll go with. And so I started that and like, so it was called talkhoops.net for everyone who wants to know where the <laughs> at talkhoops comes from. It's because the website was called talkhoops.net. And, uh, and yeah, so like I started that and just learned how to build a website, learn how to do podcasting, learn how to do all that stuff. And, um, and it's a lot of trial and error, a lot of like bad takes and bad writing <laughs> and bad website design and bad podcast editing and everything. But you kind of just figure out what you know and what you don't know early on. And so I went in with a huge ego thing and I know everything I need to know about basketball. I'm going to show these people what I know and all this stuff. And then you start reading smart people and you start talking to smart people. And it's like, oh, right. Like I, like I know, I know a lot from my friends. I know more than any of my friends know, but I don't actually know a whole lot when it comes to these other people who are doing it for a living. So I was just made sure I was always very aware of what I don't know, what my shortcomings were and try to work on those. And so I did that for two years. Um, ESPN started their true hoop blog, uh, blog network, and they needed a Kings blogger and I was living in Sacramento and I'm from Sacramento. And so, um, they came to me and said like, Hey, I think Tom Ziller turned us down. Would you like to do this? And I was mm-hmm. like, all right, uh, I'm not a Kings fan. They're like, that doesn't matter. We just want someone there who we like your writing, whatever. And so at that point I was working for a court, a uh, court of appeals and I'd worked there for like three years. And I said, all right, I'm gonna quit my job and do this unpaid thing and try to figure it out from there and uh and i and i did that and at that time like the at the time they made that network the the daily dime live mm-hmm. chat started and that was every night daily dime live chat if your team was playing you're a blogger who like got to come in and talk with fans and everything on espn's website and so i didn't have a job so i just kept showing up and kept volunteering even on the nights where the kings didn't play and the editors didn't want to deal with that chat. Like they didn't want to deal with the chat at all. Like yeah. we have actual editing to do. We got real. We got to build this site and everything. So um, I would just go like, "Hey, you guys need help tonight?" Like, "Yeah, go ahead, absolutely, go like knock, you know, knock yourself out." And so I did that like every night for the second half of the season, all through the playoffs, and then after the finals in 2010, they flew me out to Bristol and said, "Like, hey, we want this to be a job. Do you want to do this?" and um, that was like how I got my foot in the door, but yeah, it was like three years of unpaid trying to like figure out how to become noticed and everything. And I, I never really like cared how many people were reading me. I kind of realized early on, like, I just need the right people to read me. Mm-hmm. And so like, I reached out and like bothered like Jay Skeets when he was running the uh, Yahoo blog and bothered the starter, well, they were the basketball Jones podcast back then, um, a podcaster named Dan Levy. Like I bothered him a lot. Uh, Kevin Arnovitz started reading me. Henry Abbott started reading me. I just kind of, that was my foot in the door. So when you were starting the website, what kind of people were you looking at? Because everybody kind of has like their, their eye on like, you're like Michael Wilbon, you're David Aldridge, like right. people that you want to emulate. What was the goal versus what actually transpired? Uh, I mean, I was I, like most guys my age, I think I was inspired a lot by Bill Simmons. And I was, I was inspired a lot by Ralph Wiley. Like Ralph Wiley was someone I've read every time on on page two and um and so those two like i've read read all the david halberstam books and stuff like that but i would say like simmons and wiley were my two absolute inspirations in terms of writing and then when it came to podcasting i pretty much watched or i pretty much listened to the basketball jones and simmons a little bit i listened to adam carolla's podcast a lot because i liked the way he interviewed people and uh and dan levy dan levy like i i caught on to him because he did all media and all sports and everything so it was like just trying to find these well-rounded ways of getting around figuring out 
what my voice would be with or how to how to make my voice matter in that mm-hmm. space yeah so you started the website in, in 2007 right yeah summer 2007 so kind of around the same time that twitter was getting rolling how big of an impact do you think that that's played in your success being in on the oh, ground floor and kind of building yeah. up from there yeah so i've been on i've been on twitter since sometime in 2009 i think sometime in 2009 and uh and that was huge. Like that helped me kind of get noticed within more of the basketball writing communities because it was very, I don't know, it was very organic back then. You just like, you find, you know, people who were saying similar things. And I don't even know how people found each other back then. Cause I, like, I wasn't searching hashtags or anything, but like, I don't, yeah. I really don't know how people found anyone back then. But, um, yeah, like it was like that kind of got me noticed and then you get more of a following and people take you more seriously as a writer, which is really stupid because there are a lot of dumb people, myself included, who have a, a bunch of followers and it doesn't really mean anything. But yeah, like Twitter was like a real way to be like, hey, not only am I writing, but this is what I'm writing. And if you guys check it out, like interaction was huge on that. And I'm, I mean, see how many times I've tweeted, like interaction is is big for me on Twitter because I feel like that's the actual currency of Twitter. It's not followers, not any of that stuff. It's if you can connect with people, like that's all we're on there for is to kill time and interact with people that we can't find in real life. And so like, I, I kind of noticed that early on. I was like, all right, I'll just talk to everyone who replies. And so even now, like I'll hit up just about anyone, whether it's a quote tweet, whether it's me, you know, shit talking people, whether it's, you know, inviting shit talk whatever it is like i like i still think that interaction is important with whoever messages you and how much you think that impacted your writing because you go from you know you're doing your website you're doing all that stuff now all of a sudden you're almost it's almost like you're writing all the time because i do believe that uh uh twitter is like a medium in fact uh when i was in high school we had to write papers about like oh like mediums like books magazines 2009 your boy's out here writing about twitter fail yeah. the paper english teacher was just like this isn't a book no but it's like and and now you clearly see like yeah. like the present like like it's how like we like archive history pretty much at like this point so how did that impact your writing well it, it impacted my job for one because i ran that chat for espn for two years and by the end of that second year so this is like the 2011 2012 season by the end of that second year, like Twitter was kind of replacing that chat. Like the chat was still doing numbers, but like the like you could tell, like, oh no, it's just gonna be Twitter from now on. Like that's what it is. And so it effectively ended that ended that job. I passed it off to somebody else and they did it for I think I think one more season, but um that's when I got hired by CBS. But like it made me realize what like what what people were looking for in writing. Mm. It gave you real time feedback on like on what people thought of your writing, right? Or what they thought of your points or arguing or stuff like that. And so that real-time feedback was huge and kind of shaping like, all right, this is what I need to do. Not to like get people to like what I was doing, but to get to people thinking about what I was doing, right? And so like that was a huge like just real-time interaction that that gave you, you know, just information you needed to know that website analytics weren't going to give you. And then I think it also taught me how to be a lot more succinct in how I viewed my writing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need to go for a paragraph if a sentence will, you know, will handle it. And so I think for that stuff, it makes you, it makes you learn how to trim down what you want to say into just the important parts. And did you ever have a moment and I'm sure that you did, but like kind of dive into detail about what that was where you're like, man, if I don't make this happen now, 
Like it may be a wrap because I had Benny on this podcast. He, he came on yeah. Insiders a few weeks ago, and he was like, just before he started uh, the band and they became successful, he was like, "Yo, this is it for me." Did you ever have that moment? Um, I was always pretty confident that the way I wanted to do stuff would work. But yeah, like there, like when I quit my job, I gave myself a year to kind of figure out what I was, how I was going to be able to make a living out of writing and. I luckily got hired 10 months into that, into that mm-hmm. year's time. Span, but like, that's, that was pretty lucky, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was pretty fortunate. So like, I felt like any time I've been at the breaking point of like, Oh man, I don't know about this. I don't know if this is going to last. I don't know what I'm going to do if I don't stuff has kind of broken my way for the most part. There's some times where I've been in tough situations, but yeah, like there've been plenty of times where I'm like, man, I don't think this chat's going to last. <laughs> oh, cool. CBS wants to hire me. Great. Like that, that's huge. Yeah. Ooh, I don't like working at CBS anymore. I don't think this is going to be a working relationship. Uh, you know, I get interest from from FanRag or from, you know, FanRag ends and like I'm like, oh, "Man, I don't have a job." And then all of a sudden I get hooked up with The Athletic and Sirius and stuff like that. So, I I haven't had too many like extended down periods, but there have been plenty of times where I'm like, "I don't have a degree. I don't have any savings. <laughs> I don't have any training in anything else. I don't know what I would do if this ends." And even that, to a certain degree, like fuels me because I like I have incredible work ethic that I learned from my dad. Like my dad is the hardest worker I've ever known, and he installed like work ethic into my into my DNA. Sorry, my stupid dog Uh, into my DNA. And so, like, so like I've always known, like, I just have to I have to work hard no matter what it is. And so, when it comes to when it comes to that, like. I don't like uh, this sounds weird, but like, or maybe it sounds like corny or whatever, but like, I don't know that I'll ever be satisfied in doing what I do because like, I'm always going to be thinking like, all right, shit, how do I keep this going? How do I keep this going? What's the next thing? How do I do that? And that's both a good thing and a very bad thing because it's good. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you moving in the right direction. You don't get complacent, but at the same time, like it's hard to feel satisfaction in anything that's going on because you're just like, eh, this could go away at any time. I got to figure something else out. Yeah. So like, it's this weird I don't know. It's this weird mentality, but yeah, I've had a lot, like a lot of moments where I'm like, I don't know about this, but never anything where I'm like, I'm at a make or break point. Right. Yeah. I just quickly want to touch on, uh, go back to true hoop and meeting those guys. How important do you think the role of meeting Jade, Amin, uh, Hamster, like, cause they were all in that true hoop crew, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How important that, because I mean, you guys have built count, count the dings is now part of the athletic. How important yeah. are the, in, the people that you met in those early years to uh, what you're doing now? I mean, it's huge. Like, you know, everyone talks about, you know, relationships and networking and this, and I'm, I'm very bad at networking. Like I'm really, really bad at it. I feel uncomfortable with that situation. Like I'm just not good at it. So, so like getting to know those guys on a friendly level, made it a lot easier to work with them later on because I knew those guys. And the a funny thing, like, so Jade asked me longer. So Jade and I, like, met in 2010, 2011, something like that. It, it, we, we met at, at Sloan in Boston. It must have been 2010. And so he, like, has me do some on-camera work and all this stuff. And I'd never been on camera before. And so, like, he's like, he told me, he was like, don't worry, just do what I tell you to do. I'll make it look good. And like, I didn't know who, I didn't know what he did or anything. Like looking back, I'm like, of course he will. He's really good at this. But, but at the time I was like, uh, okay, I don't really know what I'm doing here. And so we were having a conversation one night and he's like, what do you want to get out of your career? And I barely knew this dude. And I was like, I was like, 
I want to be the best at it. He goes, what does that mean? I was like, I don't know, but like, I, like, I want to be the best at it. I'm a very competitive person. That's what I want to be. So I want to find a way at some point in my career to get to that point. And he goes, he goes, nah, man, you just got to find a, an easier role to settle into and not worry about that. And it pissed me off because like, I'm, I am like, I try to curb it as much as I can. I'm a psychotically competitive person. Like I hate losing it. Anything like it drives me insane. It doesn't matter what it is. And so I took that as like this competition. I was like, who the hell does this guy think he is telling me I can't do what I want to do? And so like that fueled me for a while. I was like, I'm going to show this dude. I'm going to, oh my God, what a jerk or whatever. And I wasn't mad at him necessarily. I was just mad at the idea of having like a limitation. But like that drove me. Like meeting Amin, I didn't like Amin at first. Like I thought Amin was an asshole. Like I, <laughs> like, I didn't like Amin at first. Uh, he was very, you know, combative in a in what i what turns out to be like a friendly just joking way but at the time i was like this dude's awful like this dude's a jerk now he's one of my better friends in the industry like i love working with him tom was always like super nice i got to know him when i moved to miami a little bit um uh ethan became like a really quick friend of mine we worked together on this website called hoop speak and it was and so he and i got like pretty close early on close through podcasts but yeah man like meeting all those guys it not knowing at the time, like it just set me up. Like our group is pretty strong and our group is very good and very well-rounded. And I don't think I'd be where I am without those guys. Now you've started a couple things that you started a website and obviously count the dings, uh, as someone that also, you know, kind of has their eye on doing their own thing. What is the most important thing that people that are trying to start up any venture should know? Realizing you're bad at it. (laughs) Like it's, you can be super charismatic, you can be so talented, and, like, you're just bad at this. We're all bad at this, right? Like, it's just it, – and it's not a it's not an attack or anything. It's just, like, man, you you think about, like, who uh, – my guy for for Mad Dog, Patrick Maher, right, does the rap. Mm-hmm. He's been doing this for 14 years. He could do a radio show blind. He could roll in, not have any prep, and do it. 14 years ago, he was terrible at this, right? And it's just because you need – reps and so i think a lot of people think oh i like talking i can talk to this person it's entertaining i promise you it's not i promise you the first few times it's not entertaining me talking to my friends it's not entertaining you have to get so many reps and find the rhythm of it and find your voice and how you want to use that voice and so i think that can be discouraging for people but i also think like it should be motivating for people because there is a breaking point where like you break through this barrier and all of a sudden you have the rhythm down you have the charisma down you have the the talking points and how you want to approach it and what your cadence is going to be and all that stuff and it becomes a natural motion it becomes a muscle memory for you doing this stuff but it takes a lot longer to develop that stuff like i've been doing this you know i've been podcasting for 11 years i've been doing like the media stuff officially for 10 like i'm just now starting to feel like okay i think i'm i think i'm getting okay at it i think Mm -hmm. i'm getting pretty good at it. it just and it takes a long time you know, radio, I've been doing radio regularly for like a little over a year now. I think I'm not terrible at it now. Like, that's where I think I am, right? Like, I'm like, okay, I see other people doing this. Like, these people are good at it. Like, these people are really good. I listen to myself. I'm like, I can see potential in myself, but it's not there. Like, it's just little things like that. And and it's not a ne- – it's just not – I can't stress enough. It's not a negative thing. It's just that everyone goes through that. And so it's knowing that if you keep working at it, like, you will get to where you want to get. You just can't quit at it. Like, I hate the sound of my own voice, which is ironic considering I do the podcast. Like, I hate it. Have you ever gotten past that? Or did you ever have that where you're like, man, I sound like trash? 
Well, yeah, because I think, like, you don't sound the way you think you sound, right? And so, like, when you first time you hear that, the first few times you hear that, like, what? That's how I sound? Like, you just got to get over that because I never care how I sound at this point. I always judge things on, like, if I listen back to a show, if I listen back to a podcast, whatever, I listen back, I go, is that fun? Right? Like, who cares how I sound? Like, I don't want to say something rude. Like, Bill Simmons has one of the worst voices I've ever heard. (laughs) He also has the most successful podcast in sports, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like your voice, how your voice sounds will matter to a few people, will turn a few people off. All they want to care about is like, are they entertained and are they, you know, engrossed in what you're saying and how you're saying it? Like your voice, man, that shit doesn't matter. Like, it just matters. Like I always judge things on, did I have fun listening to that? If I can have fun listening to myself, which is a very narcissistic masturbatory thing, but like you, you just have to assume like, if you have fun listening to yourself, and when you when you listen back, like that means a lot of people out there are having fun listening to it. It's like that uh, Don Glover bit back when he did Santa. He's like, "You listen to your own music." Yeah, like that right, whole thing. exactly. That's <laughs> what a weird thing to do, but that it is actually important. Like people think I'm crazy, but I listen back to almost every podcast I do because I use it as like a studying tool. Like that's how psychotic psychotic I am. But I use them like, oh, I kind of stepped on that joke. Oh, I need to wait a little bit longer here. Oh, I need to say something here. Like. I use it as like a like a film breakdown almost because I'm an idiot and I'm psychotic with that stuff. Same big stepper over here, and 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 yeah. the hard thing about Sirius, the hard thing about Sirius is we can't see each other. We're not even on like yeah. on like a FaceTime or anything. So you're just out here like I think that person's done, and then they're not, and then you're like, man, I ruined everything. Yeah, man, and that's why, like, man, when you get to do stuff in studio with another person, oh my god, like it feels like. It feels like you you've been playing with you've been playing ball with this person forever. Like it's just so much easier, and it's funny how like it's funny how good the serious shows are considering you're rarely in the studio with a person, and and that there's no connection breakdowns, and that people don't yeah. sound like they're doing FaceTime or like whatever. Yeah, no, it's right, amazing. exactly. One more career question before we actually yeah. get into the good shit. What is your goal? In 2019, I know it's it's always a moving goalpost, but what do you want to see yeah. yourself going toward? I think more stability with radio. Like I've I've been able to carve out, uh, thanks to like you know guys like Sean Butler and Andy King. Like I've been able to carve out a pretty decent foothold in what in what we do. But I would like that foothold to be better. You know, be deeper. I'd like to get on TV. Like I think they're just little things that the deeper I get into this, the more I realize like I really like talking. Like I love talking about this stuff. I like writing about it. I'd like to write less, talk more. That way when I do write, it's more impactful and it's stuff I get to work on a little bit longer. So I think it's just working towards that goal of like finding a way to maximize how much your words matter. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. So when you've been out there at the Sirius XM studio, have, have you run into anybody that you've been listening or like enjoy their entertainment? Cause I know in New York, there's always people running through. I know LA is, is a little bit less, but have you had any yeah. cool interactions so I did. So I wasn't an interaction in person, but I did get to talk to Guy Fieri. Uh, oh yeah, like a week or two ago. And so that was a huge moment for me, like getting him on the show. Uh, Dustin Sweetelson, a producer for Mad Dog, like he got him. He just got him on the show almost instantly. So that was like I love Guy Fieri. Like I watch every damn guy show there is. Like I'm all about that. So that was a cool moment. But like actual interactions in person, um, not interactions, but like I see a lot of people who work on Bravo shows. <laughs> Like, Jeff Lewis has this, like, I don't know, flip this house type of style show. Or I see him a lot coming out of there when I'm going in. 
um back in the old studios i would see a lot of like real housewives of orange county stopping by or whatever so like not like great interactions and stuff but like i also watch a lot of that garbage tv so um so i'm like oh my god it's tamra from real housewives of orange county like what a what a cool moment and if i tell anybody else they're like what are you talking about and I know it's kind of become like a, a running joke, but I literally do see most of the famous people I've ever met in my life in the serious XM bathroom. Like, yeah, because they're, they're all that's all they do, right? They just go in there, they go to the bathroom, and you're just like waiting there, like not in a creepy way. It just happens to work out that way. Oh, my goodness. So what are you watching right now on TV? Currently? Well, currently there's some screensaver on my, my Apple TV, but uh, but I've been rewatching The Office. I rewatched New Girl recently, and then, there's not like any shows like Ballers started up again, and oh god, I'm so sick of that show. Like I'm gonna keep Ballers. watching it. Let me it's tell you about so Ballers. bad, man. It took them five seasons, and I think the one that just came out this past week is the first good one they've had in five seasons. The first one where I'm like, this should have been your pilot. Really? Because I thought I watched the first episode of this season. I thought I don't want to watch the show anymore. <laughs> like it's. It used to be like fun bad. Yeah. Like it was fun bad. And now I just think it's bad bad. Now they're trying to become like cinematic. Yeah, they try to become cinematic. And like it's just a lot of – look, I don't need a lot of realism in my sports stuff <laughs> when it comes to like entertainment. Like I'm in on the movie draft day. That movie makes no sense from an NFL logistical standpoint. I don't care. Kevin Costner says, I want my goddamn picks back. Like I'm in. Like he's treating like a ransom like he's Mel Gibson. I'm in on that. Like I'm good with that. But – it's like he takes on the NCAA in two and a half episodes. <laughs> what? He's now going to buy the Chiefs because they're sick of Tyreek Hill? What? Like, there's just certain things. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this show does, isn't even bad good anymore. It's just bad. I mean, that's probably because they got Bronco Mendenhall, uh, former. Uh... Oh, my God. Probably. <laughs> Such a, oh, my God. The cast on that show, too, is just horrendous. Um, but, yeah, I watched, I watched Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of of the new one? Loved it. Really, like it's it's a perfect hour of comedy writing. I like, thought I, his last I, two were better. No, see, I think this is the best one of Netflix for sure. Oh, really? And 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 I think too, like I look, if you look at the surface of the jokes, people are gonna say he's attacking transgender people. He's attacking, he's not, yeah. yeah, he's attacking uh, sexual sexually abused and all this stuff. And if you look at it. Like this Louis C.K. jokes of him saying he says like oh it's I don't get the big deal and then and then proceeds to make fun of what it must be like to be Louis C.K. to where you have to do that right yeah. like there's another layer to the joke and I'm not saying it can't be offensive I'm not saying comedy can't be offensive but I think like if you look past the surface of those jokes the way he's structuring them it shows that like oh no 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 no, no. like it's the way we look at the transgender stuff that's the ridiculous thing mm. that the way we the way we've handled it that's the joke right not that transgender people are jokes like it's the way that society looks at it and has viewed it and has handled it and i think it's a peek behind that i think with the louis ck thing he's not dismissing the actions even though it's his friend he's saying look at this loser who has to like masturbate onto his stomach like it's stuff like that right and so i think if you peel back the layers of the jokes like it's brilliant like it's it's genius stuff and there's nothing to truly get offended about but I guess I understand that that's not what a lot of people go in there for. It's kind of funny with that because I, I I did kind of recognize that element, but I also kind of thought it was it was funny in like the same way Succession is funny, right? In like the way it's like the show. Yeah, there were like some great jokes, but you're coming there for like the it, it's like the macro over the micro. Yeah, for sure. I get I get that, and I I think like 
like the like man like you can't joke about school shootings but he makes it yeah. he makes a shoot the a school shooting drill yeah. like that's he look he peels it back like why are we doing this this is all this is doing is helping the shooter like it's stuff like that where yes it's an offensive topic and it's a tough topic and it doesn't mean there aren't victims of it but um but yeah i just think like i think the way he structured that it's it's some of his best writing ever now you go to a lot of comedy shows you have have a lot of friends that are comics and i do like open mics and and like stuff like that explain for me as someone who writes why like outlets like the hollywood reporter feel like we need to cover comedy like for instance like the whole pete davidson that just happened he's like opening up up a college number one that's a free show (laughs) <laughs> like he's opening up at, at like UCF, and that's a free also. Show. I can I can tell you, comics for the most part hate doing college shows. Yeah, they hate doing it because the whole process to get them is ridiculous. You got to go yeah. through all that nonsense. But why are we covering comedy? Like, I think it's just a product of the twenty-four hour news cycle. I think because it's twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three sixty-five, all that bullshit, right? Like, I think it's just what's more content we can have. Is there possible outrage? Will this get clicks? And and it does drive conversation. I think it's a stupid conversation, but it drives conversation. But yeah, like I just think it's we're out of stuff to do. It's why ESPN and Bleacher Report and TNT and all this shit. Like it's why they re-aggregate every single Taco Tuesday video, right? Like it's just like, oh shit, we need something at yeah. Tuesday afternoon or Wednesday morning. Here, let's throw this out. Hey, there's a notification. Like there's no value to it. But it's something to do and it's something that fills time and it's something that, you know, makes it look like we're, oh, we're introspective on this stuff. And we're just not. Like, it's so dumb. Uh, so who are some of your favorite comics right now, uh, whether um, they're big or they're on the local L.A. scene out there? So I would say, like, the bigger comics that I love right now, um, Tom Segura, uh, obviously Chappelle, like, um, let's see, Theo Vaughn is really funny um i'm i'm big into him ron funches is super funny i'm big into him um some of the smaller guys and granted some of these guys are are friends of mine but like ian carmel who's a good buddy of mine writes he's a head co-head writer for james corden show um he's one of the funniest people i'll I'll ever know like he's so super talented and funny uh david bory is the voice of comedy central if you hear a comedy central promo like tosh.0 coming up tonight he's the voice of comedy central he has a special coming out in november on comedy central like he's super funny um, guys like Zach Toscani, Sean Jordan, uh, Shane Torres, Mike Malloy, they're all friends of mine, but they're really, really good. Uh, Megan Gailey is hilarious. Well, Marcelo Agueros is hilarious. Uh, oh man, I just saw some dude. Oh man, it's going to kill me that I can't remember his name. It'll come to me at some point. It's like Clayton, Clayton English, I think. I think that's his name, but mm. I just saw, I just saw him last week, um, at the show and he was, man, he was so damn mm. funny. So like, yeah, like those are those are like my favorite people right now. Uh, this guy Shang Wang is is super funny. Like John Mulaney is obviously huge. Yeah. Like I think John Mulaney's hilarious. Ben Schwartz, like yeah, like I I mean I could go on. But Hannibal Burris is like one yeah. of my favorites. Like I like those guys. I could go on forever about. How do you feel about Blake Griffin as a concept, not as a basketball player, as a concept? <laughs> I think he's crazy good at comedy, and yeah. it's annoying. I think he's so good, and like. The criticism when he had that Montreal set that was ten minutes long, right? And he like it like kind of blew up, like oh shit, Blake Griffin does comedy. Uh, oh, by the way, I should mention Joe Mandy. Joe Mandy's hilarious. Uh, but everyone's like, well, he just had those jokes written for him, and it's like even if that's the case, yeah, the delivery, his delivery yeah. was like that's professional. Mm. Like that's 
it, that's not easy to do. You can give me the funniest jokes in the world. I'll butcher half of them. Like he, he nailed that shit. And so, um, I think like I almost, and I love him as a basketball player. I'd almost rather he d- dedicate his, his next 10 years to, to comedy because right. I think, I think he could create a lot of funny stuff. I don't know. There's a, there's like two decent open mics in, in Detroit probably. I like to think at this point he could at least feature. Like, oh, I don't know wow. if he's, you know, like, he's a big enough name. Like, you kind of put, like, the a, tour around him, like, put him on, like, a, like, a, like, Nick Kroll tour, which I think would be kind of odd. But, uh, yeah. You, and, and just kind of put it around the pissing schedule. There you go. I, see, I've seen Nick Kroll do comedy, do stand up once or twice. I didn't like it. Yeah. Like, I, like, I didn't think he was, like, he's, I think he's hilarious in just about anything he does, but it wasn't good. I also saw Tom Arnold. Oh, do comedy yeah. that was real bad that was real uncomfortable i saw the last time i was out in la i went to the comedy store because i like always try to and uh andrew dice clay got up there man oh no and he went through a pack of cigarettes and that was it yeah it was like it? A, it was like he was like up there he like wasn't even coherent i was like dice and then like a year later he's uh he's on like a star is born and it's like what in the world yeah, man, he's. I can't imagine like him trying to exist in today's oh. comedy world. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Um, who else? I feel like I'm missing it. Like Eliza Schlesinger, I think is yeah. hilarious. Like, she's super funny. Yeah. Have you ever done stand up yourself? Have you ever tried to get up I've, there? I've done. I've done an open mic a couple of times, and it went okay. Yeah. Um, and I've done like comedy shows on stage. So yeah. I did a couple of shows at the Improv. Um, that wasn't stand up, but it was mm. a comedy show, and so that's what I've done. But yeah, like I definitely want to get more. Like I've I've written a lot mm. over the last few months, um, trying to have time to like go work on it. But that's the other tricky part is like having time to actually work on it. Yeah. Is, not not easy, but you kind of just have to make it happen. Because like you could put it in like a podcast or something like that, but you need to get like the crowd approval. Man, the two worst things in the world: stand up open mics and working radio promotions. Because nobody listens to you on either of those, but yeah. you're just out here expected to deliver the goods. But yeah, man, it's uh, the best advice I got from from a comedian was because um, I because oh my god. So the first time I did this show is this show called I created called Run It Back, and basically the concept was was watch an old game show episode and dissect it like a sports. <laughs> and so we did this at, we did this at the Hollywood Improv, and um, and so going up into it, like Jade was going to come out and like help run the show and everything and jade tells me like a few days before he's like oh you should do a monologue you know as the show starts i was like what he's like yeah do like a five or ten minute monologue i was like a 10 minute monologue you know how <laughs> long so 10 hard. minutes is on stage he goes he goes and this is his reason he goes well yeah but letterman does it every night <laughs> i was like yeah you're right Le- david letterman one of the funniest people of all time with 30 of the funniest writers in his writer's room does come up with a with a monologue every single night. And so like I came up with some stuff and I was like, I got maybe three minutes, right? Like I wrote like maybe three minutes of material and uh and I go up there and I start I started I started out a little bit and I'm screwing everything up. I'm butchering it and I just punted on it. I punted on it for like 20, 30 seconds. Like just like, all right, let's start the show. They'll start going into the show or whatever. And one of my friends knew what was happening. So he comes up to me after the show, he's like, yo, what happened up there? with the start of the show, I was like, yeah, I just, I, no one was laughing. I was screwing it up. I knew it wasn't going to last. And he goes, you have to learn how to exist in that silence. Mm. He's like, if you well, he's like, once you get comfortable in the silence, it's fish in a barrel. And I think that's important, especially with those open mics. Like you can't care that 
that no one's laughing or, or you're getting silence or groans or whatever. Like you have to make that funny. And it's kind of like what you said with like starting anything. It's like you're gonna suck. It's just part of it. Yeah, you're it's gonna existing be in the in the uncomfortable. And a lot of the time, you get like forced laughter from just being like silent and like stuff like that because people get uncomfortable. Make them yeah. uncomfortable, not the other way around. Right, exactly. Like you, you know exactly how bad you are. You should be able to be comfortable <laughs> with that. That's why I tell people all the time. I know exactly how big of an idiot I am at all times. You got anything that you want to plug? Uh, I know you got a Count the Ding show coming up, right? Yeah, October 12th in San Francisco at the Independent Theater, our Count the Ding's live show. We've got some really fun special guests. We have other special guests I'm trying to get there. Um, but it's going to be, man, all these shows are, uh, this will sound like just a bad marketing ploy, but all these shows, like they somehow get better every single one we do. Um, last one in, in Chicago was unbelievable. Uh, the one before that in, in Boston was unbelievable, and with what we have planned for this this October show in uh, in San Francisco, like if you can get out there to to the show, if you're in the area, like I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. And it's cheap too; it's like thirty bucks, thirty forty bucks, and like it's all night. The night before, we go out and do uh, karaoke with listeners and everything, so you can come and be part of that. And man, it's a time; it's a real time. Were people mad that you went to San Francisco, not Oakland? Uh, no, we didn't get that backlash because uh, I think <laughs> the Warriors I think got realized, Yeah, I think the Warriors took all that from us, and we could just say like, "Ah, oh, the Warriors made us do it." You know, we can lie about that. My thanks to Zach Harper for joining the show today. You can follow him at Talk Hoops on Twitter, at Talk Hoops on Instagram, and you can listen to him always on Count the Dings, Sirius XM NBA Radio. Sometimes Mad Dog Radio. And you can read them on The Athletic. Plenty of ways to get in contact with this show. You can email us at laterpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me at Denny underscore Gallagher on Twitter. Denny Gallagher on Instagram. And Later Podcast on Instagram. Okay? Once again, my big thanks to Zach Harper. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Cue up Tom, Dick, and Harry. And until next time, later.